Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. A huge welcome to everyone listening online. This morning, uh, I'm going to bring us around the topic that I want to preach on, which is the best me. And how as a church family, individually, we can continue to be hungry to be the best we can possibly be in God. Uh, I do believe that your best days are not behind you. I don't believe that the good old days were that good. I believe what God wants to do in your life today is significant and it is the most important thing. Not what happened five years ago or 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago that God wants to in the moment with you, continue to make you more like His Son. Continue to help you realize your purpose and your plan in Him. So I just want to bring us around in Scripture, then I want to pray, and then we're going to have some fun together this morning. It says this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 7. It's going to be on our screen. And I read it out of the message, paraphrase. Thank you, Eugene Peterson. Let me read this to us. So my son, throw yourself into this work for Christ. Pass on what you have heard from me, the whole congregation saying, oh, look at you guys go, to reliable leaders who are competent to teach each other. When, I'm sorry, teach others. When the going gets rough, take it on the chin with the rest of us, the way Jesus did. A soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals at the marketplace. He concentrates on carrying out his orders. An athlete who refuses to play by the rules will never get anywhere. It's the diligent farmer who gets the produce. Think it over. God will make it all plain. This morning, I want to look at this scripture and look at a couple more scriptures uh, on the importance of throwing yourself into the work. Being willing to not just sit back and hope that the system or that life somehow gets you more like Jesus, but throw yourself into the journey of being the best you can possibly be in Christ. So let me pray for us one more time this morning, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into this. Jesus, your word is powerful. It is effective. One word from you is better than anything else. So I ask this morning, God, be less of me and more of you, that through what happens in this moment together, that we know you in a greater way, that we encounter you in a greater way. We honor your word. We ask that you speak to us this morning. And lastly, God, we pray for Pastor Brian and Charlie. We thank you for our leaders. We thank you, God, that uh, they, are, they are there to guide us and to lead us forward. We pray, God, that you help us to make their job a joy, not a burden, as your word says. We pray they be refreshed and encouraged, even as they're taking the service off today and just relaxing and getting refreshed, leading up to heart and soul. Bless them. We thank you for them, God. We ask for breakthrough for them. We ask, God, that you give them the peace and the wisdom that they need to do everything you've called them to do. So God, we ask you to move today. Speak to us out of your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, band. You may be seated, and that will be fantastic. The best me. On the screen is going to appear a photo of my lovely daughter, Ellie. Oh, she's so cute. She's. This is a photo of a couple of weeks ago. This is Ellie. Uh, is she there yet? Almost there. Troy's really quick. He's just, okay, he's cra- it's crashed. Okay, let's all imagine a cute little girl. Is everyone picturing it? Everyone go, oh, that's cute. She's got a little hair. So amazing. Ben, can you move? And yeah, they just help. That'd be awesome. Um, This isn't going to work without the picture. So this is going to be an uncomfortable 30 seconds. So just turn to the person next to you and say, wow, this is uncomfortable. If I would dare ask that you would turn around and look at our production team and make them feel uncomfortable. Uh, This isn't, uh, this is, oh, oh, there she is. This is Ellie. Ellie. And not only is this Ellie, this is the best version of Ellie yet. I knew Ellie a little while ago. I knew her the day she was born. I knew her 
uh, through many circumstances over the last 18-ish months, uh, but I have the best Ellie we've ever had. She's out somewhere in kids. Alex is on babies this morning, I think. This is the best version of Ellie. She knows it. She's confident. She's walking around, doing things, living the dream, pushing her brother over. Last night, um, Jeremiah just punched her in the head, just in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, just like your mother, Jeremiah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> there's no feed into our baby's room, so Alex will hear this later. Uh, I apologize, Alex. Please don't punch me in the face. Um, but this is the best Ellie. I know this is the best Ellie because I've seen other Ellies. I've seen uh, maybe this Ellie that's going to appear on the screen. The day that Ellie was born... Um, don't say, oh, that is... Look at that head. It's so round. For everyone over the age of 40, that's Bert Newton. Look at that. That's Bert Newton. Bert Newton is her father. Um, <laughs> but when, when Ellie was actually born, I can't show you that photo um, because it, it's too scary. Um, we, she was purple. She was scary. She was a, little, she was a monster church. A little monster. My Ellie's good now, but she was a bit of... Oh, can we get a little bit closer on that picture just so we can... Um, look at that. It's, that is the face of a monster. Um, just, yeah, look at it. It's there. It's a monster. Like a... Just like, ah! Just, ah! Feed me. Like, it's just... It's... I'm so thankful for the Ellie I have today. She is the best Ellie. That Ellie scared me. That Ellie I couldn't eat around because I was afraid she was going to eat my food in my hands. Like, no, Ellie was beautiful then. Birth is a beautiful experience. It's not. It's horrific and scarring. And But I have the best Ellie. Ellie, when she was born, said a lot of things, but didn't say, I'm the best version of myself right now. She said, Dad, I love you, and you're going to be used by God. And she prophesied over me, um, which is amazing. Um, but she knows that she has a lot of things to learn still. This week, for some reason, my son is nearly four, and we're still trying to potty train him. He does some very unusual things. He does unusual things in our kids' church. A few weeks ago, I got a report from one of our kids' leaders that he put his drink bottle down and used it as a toilet. Um, so he, he's learning still. He's more like his dad. Uh, but Ellie, for some reason, knows she needs to go to the toilet now and just goes to the potty. It's just a very unusual 18-month-old, very smart, smarter than me. I'm still learning that. So... She's continuing to become better. And for us, church, we need to understand that if we're really honest, to a degree, we're all still here. <sighs> we all still have room to grow. We all have some neck fat to lose. We all have a journey ahead of us. If you are in this room and you think you have arrived, you are delusional. You've missed the mark. You have maybe not seen how good Jesus is. You haven't maybe seen yet what he wants to do through your life and how it's bigger than you could ever imagine or think or come up with. Maybe you need a fresh look today about how much God wants to do in and through your life. And we shouldn't be going around being like, no, I know everything. I've arrived. I don't need to change. I'm going to disagree with everyone. Sorry, do you need this, Maddie? Is that better? But we need to understand, church, there's a better me in me. That I need to keep on growing, I need to keep on learning. And this morning, I just have four different areas when it came to the thought of kind of betterment, of continuing to grow, continuing to stay humble and just becoming everything God's called you to be. I, I had like maybe like 30 or 40 things. And I brought them down to four this morning to kind of challenge us to be someone that's just hungry to be better. Hungry to be more like Jesus. The first one this morning is this. The thought of practice makes progress. Practice doesn't make perfect. If your pursuit is of perfection, you will um, come up short. But practice makes progress. 
Uh, there's a guy that's going to appear on the screen. His name is Jeff. Jeff was, for 27 years, the CEO of General Electric in America. GE. Everyone say GE. Uh, he, he was the, the, the director and the chairperson of GE um, but he, about three weeks before September 11, he took over in New York, and then the stock crashed, and then 2008, when the market crashed in America, it crashed again. He took it over, I think, when it was at $40 uh, a, a share, and now it's, I think, $6 a share, like, crashed it down. But one thing that we can learn from this guy is this. Every single week, he was so committed to the company going through really two of the biggest financial crises in America in, in history, especially for New York. Um, he worked over, for 27 years, over 100 hours a week. Now, he wasn't heaps successful, okay? He's only got like, I don't know, $130 million. So not, not heaps successful, but he made a decision that he was going to work. And who knows how much those things would have crashed if the director at the time wasn't so committed. If anything, he was always double committed to any expectation he had on any of his team. It's like, okay, you're going to do your 40-hour week, your 50-hour week, I'm in. I'm all in. We're going to grow this thing. We're going to move it forward. And now he actually oversees an organization much, much, much bigger than that. But practice actually helps you get better, a little bit better. In our celebration code, the last code that Pastor Charlie shared a couple of weeks ago was um, we celebrate all victories, small and large. And this morning, you might feel like I've only got a little bit of progress. We celebrate that with you. But keep on practicing. Keep on committing yourself to keep on going forward. Uh, back to the 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 scripture to emphasize is to throw yourself into the work of Christ. The encouragement here for Timothy was not to watch other people do the work it wasn't just to be inspired by others or thankful for others. Benny standing up here this morning in service and be like, yes, it's so good that Benny's stepping forward and doing it. That's great. But no, I am going to throw myself into the work. Work is not a dirty word. Work is not a bad word. And Christianity doesn't lack work. There are works to do that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And we need to throw ourselves into them. In 1 Timothy 4, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. You're allowed to say, got it, when you've got it. Paper Bibles turning. Thank you, Jesus. I hear some taps on glass as well. That's great. Libby wins. 1 Timothy 4, verse 15 says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent. Everyone say, diligent. In these matters, give yourself completely to them so that everyone may see your progress. The practice makes progress, that giving yourself to the work of God day in, day out, waking up in the morning, coming around Scripture, asking God to speak to you, helping to apply it, going through your day, getting to the end of your day and being like, God, how do we do today? <laughs> did I leave you in my quiet time or did we get some victories today? I'm going to keep on practicing this thing, God, until I keep on growing and suddenly I get to midday and I'm still thinking about the Scripture that God spoke to me about at 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm progressing. If you've been in church for longer than a week and you're not progressing, you need to start practicing again. You need to get your hands dirty again. You need to be like, I want to be involved in the work of Christ. When I think about practicing, I think about a few things. I think about focus. Focus when you're practicing is just, I, I want to be better. Michael Jordan, um, in his off-season when he used to play basketball, would take roughly 500 jump shots every day. Off-season. Not like I've got a game coming up this weekend. Like, off-season, we're not playing for a few months. Just continually, I'm focused on being the best. I'm going to keep on doing this thing when no one's watching. Or oh, another basketball player, Kobe Bryant, uh, had an injury and had to relearn how to shoot. The, the way that he played basketball had to completely change rather than retire. That decision to be like, I'm so focused on the goal. The focus for us, if we want to be better, is simply this. Just the saying over and over again in my head, I want to be better, Jesus. I'm struggling to forgive that person. I want to be better at forgiving. I want to be better at showing kindness faster. I want to be better at understanding your mercy and giving mercy to people that don't deserve it or have earned it. I want to be someone that lives mercy. 
I just want to be better. Another thing is when it comes to the work, something we can play over in our head, um, it's like often like we pray for things like, God, open a door or open a window and, and shut the other things. Sometimes God will give you a word and the door will be closed. When it comes to the progress, when it comes to the work, are you willing, if God said it, to just put your head through the door? Like, like, like punch a hole in the wall next to the door. Has anyone watched Law and Order? That happens often. They punch next to it. There's a hole there, and they get around the switch, the electrician. Um, but so committed to progressing that nothing is going to hold me back. My addictions, my past, my circumstance, what naturally, what the waves say, the waves are waves. Ignore the waves. But I'm going to practice. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to push through, and I'm willing to work. That humility, that teachability that says, I don't know everything, that willingness to fail. Church, be hungry to fail. Wear failure like a big badge on your chest. I went somewhere, and I tried. I gave everything to it. Don't regret failure. Regret not trying. Regret sitting there and being like, this is an okay life. No, Pioneer, push forward, progress, practice, do something. Let me just, uh, before we move on to point number two, just this simple quote. It's not about being better than someone else. It's about being better than you used to be. It's not about being better than someone else. It's about being better than you used to be. That's a quote from the famous prophetic person, Khloe Kardashian, uh, around fitness. Um, It's very powerful. Maybe I shouldn't have told you that this morning, church. If you don't know who Chloe Kardashian is, I encourage you to see Maddie after the service. She will fill you in on what's happened on every season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And you can pray for her, for her salvation as well. But it's not about being better than everyone else. No, I'm going to keep on being better than I used to be. I'm going to forgive faster than I did five years ago. I'm going to pray more quick between my storm and the solution. I'm going to pray faster than I did a few years ago. When I get that report, when I get that thing, I'm going to run to Jesus first and faster than I ever have before. I'm going to be better than I used to be. Maybe there's someone that prays better. Maybe there's someone that serves. For, maybe there's someone who has more miracles under their belt than you have. But you're going to be better than you used to be. I'm going to be better than I used to be. I'm going to be better than I used to be. I'm committed to being better. Committed to betterment. Committed to growth. Committed to not just being the same old me in a few years' time. And not just be like, I'm the best I'm ever going to be. But no, I want to be better. I'm going to keep growing. The second thing is this. Um, information. Input and output. When it comes to betterment, you actually need more things to work with to be better. You can't just be like, okay, I know everything. And now I'm going to use everything that I have to be better. And I'm never going to learn anything new, talk to anyone with any different perspective. I'm going to stay here by myself and be better every single... No, you need input. You need output. And let me, let me tell you a few things. Uh, when it comes... Does everyone, has everyone heard of YouTube? Okay, yeah, YouTube. It's the second most visited website in the world. It's beating Facebook. Thank you, Jesus. Um, But there are 5 billion videos watched every day on YouTube. 5 billion. Let me put that in perspective. Um, Joey, where's Joey at? Joey works at a butcher, and he makes 3 million sausages every weekend. So this is so much more. If you ever talk to Joey about being a butcher, he claims to like make so many sausages that are an impossible amount. It's just astonishing. But five billion videos, an unwatchable amount of videos. There's only a certain amount of times you can look at cute kittens climbing up a curtain and falling off. But people that are committed to seeing something new, learning more information, the number one visited website in the world is Google. Look at you guys go. When it comes to Google, there are 3.5 billion Google searches a day. That's, that's so many. Yahoo, does everyone know Yahoo? That gets 10 searches a day. So this, <laughs> internet jokes. Um, <laughs> But a commitment to being like, I want to find the answer. I want to go forward. And it might be the internet, it might be a mentor, it might be someone at church, it might be someone around you, but I need more. 
I want to work with more things so I can keep on getting better. To Timothy, that scripture, the, the next few words were just pass on what you've heard from me, the whole congregation saying amen. The thing that I've handed you, the input that you've got, pass it on, do something with it. So you need that input, but you need that output. Because the greatest way to learn is to teach someone else. Because, um, where's Tom? Is Tom in the room? Is Tom somewhere? Tom runs our host team. Uh, Tom can all day long be like, I know how to be the host team leader. Look at this seat. It's straight now. Amazing. But it's when Tom sits with someone and they ask him, what are like the five most important things when it comes to leading a host team? And Tom's going to be like, um. And that output that training someone else refines what God has done in you, and you've got to get to a point where, actually, no, this is important. This, that doesn't matter. That thing that I was, thought was a big deal, that doesn't matter. It comes down to this. Input and output working together makes you better. Some of us are waiting for some glory day when someone comes up to us and sits at our feet and says, teach me, oh, amazing Christian. And it won't happen, and it won't happen because you, you don't have output now. You're waiting for some moment of someone honoring you when you won't honor them. So you need to make sure that you're someone, I want input, I want to learn, I want to grow. It could be practical. If you're a creative person that is in one field, do something new, learn in, in a new way. Some of the greatest inventors in the world, the greatest creators in the world, aren't afraid of getting outside of their lane. But they'll go to a pottery course and learn some fundamental key of creating and bring it back to their field and pioneer something forward. So be someone that's willing to get input and output. Someone that's willing to learn new things, really new things, and someone that's willing to teach others because you learn by teaching. Simple quote, the simple truth, the more you learn, the more you know. The more you learn, the more you know. Ready? Not the more you say, the more you know. If I run my mouth fast enough, then I'm going to appear that I know what I'm talking. No, no. Stopping, being willing to, um, what's that old proverb? Shut your mouth hole. That's it. Um, To shut your mouth and be like, God loves this person in front of me and I want to learn from them. Uh, is Crystal Sterling in the room? Or maybe she's in kids or something. On Friday night on the on the bus way, on the on the bus coming back from Intensify, Crystal asked me, what is the best thing about being a youth pastor? Do you know I've never been asked that question in five years of being the youth pastor? Everyone said, um, how do you cover up the dint in the wall with a poster so the senior pastor doesn't see? Um, <laughs> on a Friday night. How do you avoid getting stabbed? Um, like there's other questions that I've been asked, but no one's ever sat. So the actual, um, <laughs> the decision to ask her questions and sit and, and talk to her and Kaya for most of the trip and Shane uh, on the trip on the way home, I learned things. I had to sit there and be like, what is the best thing about being the youth pastor? Like, like what actually, and it got to the point where I was just, I answered pretty quickly. I was like, it's just the young people. The, our leaders are great. I love leaders. You're doing great. The services, okay. Bus trips, great. But meeting and getting to speak into a crystal and getting to remind her who she's in God and get to champion her and be in her lane, no matter what a teacher says or what her circumstance says or what this says or what, whatever says. No, get to, getting to do that is the most important thing. We need to be people that are willing to close our mouths and listen because that's when we learn. That's when we grow. If you come to church, but you don't know the story of the people around you, you might not be learning the way that you could be learning. Six people stood up in front of us. Each one of those six people has a testimony to share. Have you asked yet? Because some of us maybe need to be reminded of what God's done in our life. One of the best ways to do that is to stop and be like, okay, what happened, Haley? Like, what, what did God do so far in your journey? Like, like, testify, let's celebrate together. Actually closing your mouth and opening your ears, the more you learn, the more you know. I've learned everything. It doesn't work. Be someone that's hungry to grow and to learn. The third thing is this, community with purpose. Everyone say, purpose. Back to 2 Timothy. Let's bring it back on the screen. Start from the beginning. So my son, throw yourself into the work. So being committed to practice makes progress. 
this work for Christ. Pass on what you have learned, so information, to the whole congregation saying amen, so the communities in. And then it says this, to reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. It's not just give yourself to it. It's not just get enough information and throw enough information out. There is a purpose in the gathering of the community. It's not just we come on Sundays because Sundays, church, 10 a.m., it makes sense. It's no, there's a purpose in what we're doing. The purpose isn't to maintain the Holy Scriptures for another hundred years. It's to take the kingdom of God forward in the darkest places in our city. It's to know Jesus in such a real way that it testifies to those around us that God is quite real and God still transforms life and God still does miracles and God still takes the foolish things and makes them wise. There's purpose in what we do. Ephesians 4 verse 3 to 6 says this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to the one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through This scripture is an encouragement to continue to be united together. Over two weeks, um, a few weeks ago, we focused on the code that we are better together. Together isn't a geographical location. You are not more united because you're sitting next to someone in church today. You have just sat somewhere. I sit next to people at McDonald's uh, three times a day, and I'm not more (laughs) united with them. It's not just community for the sake of community. We're better when our community has purpose. When the gathering of us together does something, yes, does something spiritual, but also does something transformational in your workplace and your family and your school, that you meeting together with these people has purpose. It it changes you. It sharpens you. It changes and transforms the world. And this scripture to simply make every effort to keep yourselves united. Every effort. If that was to be said of Christians, Christians are the group of people that make every effort to be united with each other. Is that our testimony? I hope so soon. I hope when people look at you like that person fights for unity. That person's got one hope. With the church down the road, with the person sitting in front of them, with the person that disagrees on how many days something happened or something didn't happen. No, a community that's known for its unity, a community with a clear purpose, a community that has mentors, a community that has older people helping younger people and younger people helping older people, a community that is, this is more than a gathering for a gathering's sake. It's just a Lions Club, but we do a sausage sizzle once a month instead of Bunnings every weekend. No, it's a community that has such a clear purpose. That we're not just together physically, but we're together in spirit and in heart and in goal and in mission and love. We're together together. A community that has, it used to be um, back in the day before CSI and Law and Order and Criminal Minds on TV, if you needed sugar, you would go to your next door neighbor. Um, Now you don't do that because your next door neighbor is going to kill you um, and everyone's going to murder you. No, just joking. But a a church that has old school cup of sugar mentality, that if I need something, there's someone next to me that's going to help me. Not just a pastoral team or a board or someone that has the largest Bible with the most wear marks on the outside. But no, no, this is a community. They've got my back. We're fighting together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That metaphor that we're a family, that is important and powerful that we're one body working together. That what good is a hand without a foot and a foot trying to be an ear? No, we're together, like really together. Like on your worst day, we're still together. When we gather, what are we? What is the purpose of our community? A group of crows is called a murder. A murder. 
a group of crows, when they gather together, someone said that right there, that's a murder. I would call a group of serial killers, I would call that a murder. Like that's a murder. But crows are identified when they gather together as a murder. A group of frogs is called an army. The collective noun, I guess the term for it, is that collective noun? Is that what it is? I don't know. Whatever it is, compound noun, verb, something. When they gather together, it's an army. They're coming from everywhere. When I see a group of frogs, I'm like, there is an army coming. A group of skunks is referred to as a stench of skunks. That is the description because not only is it seen, but no, that group there, that, there's a stench coming from over there. The same kind of smell that we get on our bus ride on Friday night back from a sweaty environment. Young people in the peak of their puberty sweat everywhere. There's a a stench. Hmm. Tre magnifique. A stench of skunks. A group of tigers is called an ambush. Oh, come on now, somebody. An ambush. They're not called a tea party of tigers. That when there's a group of tigers, something is about to go down. A group of vultures is called a committee. And that's because it's because they get nothing done and they all sit together and they talk. Uh, no offense if you love committees. Um <laughs> It's called a committee. Like they're sitting there being like, oh, there's some dead bodies. Like, let's eat them soon. That's why, like, vultures are just this, this scabs. They're just scabs. They're just, for our high school students, so there's that kid at the canteen line asking for 20 cents for licorice. That's what um, vultures are. And the last one, a group of rhinos is called a crash. And rhinos are called a crash because rhinos run, ready for this? Run at 30 miles an hour. Okay, rhinos, 30 miles an hour. To put that in perspective, that's like 400 kilometers an hour. Um, But rhinos can only see 30 feet in front of them. Intelligent design right there. 30 miles an hour, but can see 30 feet in front of them. So if you see a group of rhinos coming, yes, a crash is about to occur. Like move out of the way they can't see you. 30 feet is about this far from me to Jono. Um, So that's all good (laughs) this morning. But when it comes to Christians, what is our collective noun? Is there an English, someone that got a 99 ATAR, is that right? Yep, okay, yep, cool. That's not the answer I was looking for. Um, but what is when a group of Christians gather together, what is it said of us? I pray that when we gather together, it's not said a judgment of Christians. Oh, those Christians are together. I, I can't show this part of me because I'm going to be on the outside. I pray that it's not an irrelevant of Christians. That we miss the point, that we miss the argument, that we miss the conversation, that we miss the pain, that we miss what someone's going through, and we don't meet them where they're at. We meet them of where we think they're supposed to be. Whew. I pray that when we gather, that when people see us, that's not an outdated Christian. Like, like they were once relevant when that was going on in the world, and that was happening in the first century, and that made sense. But now, their story, what's going on, that they're, they're missing it. I pray that when we gather, that we not be known as a stubborn of Christians. That this is right and that is wrong and I am right and God is here and you are there and I'm not going to change because God's on my side. About anything, the fillet of fish burgers are good. They're not good, church. (laughs) If you think they're good, you are wrong. Who likes fillet of fish burgers? I pray for you every day. I take two hours every morning and I pray for your people. I hope when we gather, I hope when people see a group of Christians, I don't think it's just an opinionated of Christians. Oh yeah, they've got their opinions. They're loud. They tell us how much they know. I pray that when we gather, the things like a kindness of Christians that I was on my worst, and I'm thankful that that group of Christians showed me kindness. Showed me what it was, that I didn't deserve it, and they didn't even bring up that conversation, and they just met me 
with kindness. That it would be said that we're a celebration of Christians. That where we go, we shout and honor, and we honor everyone. There's a saying, um, hate the sin, but love the, uh, sorry, hate the sin, but don't hate the sinner. It's it's terrible. Um, It's terrible because, um, yeah, hate the sin, but but love, like love the sinner. Like not just not hate them. Like our goal as Christians shouldn't be, oh, I'm not going to hate you. Thank you for having some social skills. Like amazing, you inspire me. No, but love. The way we go, people are like, I just feel better. Like I just got celebrated. And not because it's their logo or it's on their, their church walls. But no, when they gather, they celebrate people that we'd be known as a joy of Christians. Where we go in the darkest places, in the biggest tragedies in people's life, you just brought me joy somehow. We don't be known as a serious Christian group. That we'd be known as people that can bring joy and laughter and hope. There'd be a hope of Christians. They came in and I couldn't see a way forward, but man, they gave me hope. They gave me the hope that my best days were ahead of me, that God wasn't done with me yet, that He could do something, that He could turn the storm into a still, that He could walk on the waves. The waves are so insignificant that He could walk on them. Or the, the analogy of the angel at the tomb sitting on the rock, the thing that was the enemy, the thing that was impossible, whether it be the storm or the rock, I stand on it. I walk all over it. People that can bring hope. A piece of Christians, not... Like, give me a piece of that Christian, but peace as in, when they speak, there's, there's peace. There's no fear in their voice. They're just at rest because they trust Jesus. And even when the pastor does something wrong on a Sunday, like says something weird, it's got peace. They're not looking for the next fight. They're looking to bring the gospel of peace to people. Their feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. Everywhere they walk, they're so secure. That kind of community, that when we gather that there's peace, or the, the ultimate one, I guess church and family and body, but when it comes down to it, a heaven of Christians. Not just like, mm, that fillet of fish was heaven. Biggest lie in the world today. Um, but when two or more gather, heaven. Him in the midst. That on Friday night when our bus stops at Albion Park Maccas, does heaven walk into Maccas or just a group of young people that are going to eat all the filled of fish burgers? Right. But a heaven of Christians, when they walk into the place, heaven's there. When they walk into the place, the Holy Spirit's there. When they walk into the place, darkness flees. Things turn. Depression bows down. Heaven walks into the room. That we not just be together, but we be together with purpose. That people from the outside looking in at every single gathering, every single coffee that you have with another Christian at 91 Junction, eating them weird chips. But joy happened, peace happened, kindness happened, generosity happened. A waitress was honored. A table was paid for generously, something came in and shifted the circumstance. And it was just like a crash or a committee. Like we were, we were gathered and something, something happened. Because if we don't define that narrative, um, everyone else will. The worst of us, the weakest link will be the loudest. And we'll get a reputation for being something that the church is never called to be because we stay too silent. But there's purpose that Ellie wouldn't think that once she was born, she was like, I got this, mum and dad. Get out of the way. I'm late to my Macca shift. Given the world fillet of fish, I would be so disappointed if my daughter ever made a fillet of fish burger. No offense if you work at Macca's. Um, but there's purpose. Now, in a family, she's learning things. Her brother is teaching her things that punching people in the face, probably not the best idea, but, you know, he's from the hood. He, it just happens. Um, but... She'll grow and she'll learn because of community with purpose. My kids will be in church every single Sunday, not because um, I'm a pastor, but because um, when they're 18 and they're navigating the world, I want them to remember what real community looks like. What it looks like for someone else fighting for them. 
what it looks like for our amazing interns to, to care and value them enough to look after them and spend time with them and teach them things. Someone like Jonah Martin, who's responsible for most of my son's personality. Um, not the punching so much, but everything else. I want them to see real community. I want them to know what it is to be in the house of God. Jeremiah says yesterday, are we going to church today? Not today, Jeremiah, just relax. You're a bit too keen. Um, but see real community with real purpose. That's where you grow. That's where you become the better you. When you gather together, you're like, no, we are in this shopping center right now, and we are generosity. So let's show the world what it's like when two Christians gather with a purpose to be generous to the world. The purpose to say, my God provides so much, watch me be blessed to be a blessing. Purpose, real purpose. No, I came to Sunday, so I'm in community. Boo. That's not your community. Your community is purpose. Your community is together. Your community is brothers, a band of brothers standing together, a sisterhood, having each other's back and creating a new normal. The last thing this morning when it comes to being the better me is that one thing leads to another. That if you can have the belief system that if I do the right thing, it'll lead to another right thing. If I get on the edge and, and sometimes this is said in a negative way, like one thing led to another and pretty soon... I was eating a filled of fish burger. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't stop. <sighs> but one thing led to another in a good way. I had a habit every single morning of reading the Bible, and pretty soon the Bible is all I could think about. One thing just led to another. I came to church when it was inconvenient, and one thing just led to another. Pretty soon I had grandchildren that were loving the house of God. Just one thing, it just led to another. When I had a problem, I ran to Jesus. I did it again and again. My Facebook post got less depressing. <laughs> and one thing just led to another. Jesus didn't just help me manage my problems, just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Like something happened. One thing just led to another. When it comes to phones, my phone is very broken at the moment. Please don't text me. It doesn't work. But there has been an evolution of phones on the screen is going to appear over the last, uh, from 1990 uh, to 2015, there has been a progression of what phones look like. Today, um, this is um, my phone. No, just joking, too big. Um, but phones have got bigger and bigger screens. Then they're a little bit smaller, big screen, a little bit smaller, a little bit. This middle ground, we just have this tiny screen, a big phone. Who remembers Nokia 3310? 3315, who went to Sydney Markets and got the 3315 cover and put it on their 3310. So it looked like they spent that extra $99. Who then, my people out there, yeah? Pretending you had Snake 2 and you only had Snake 1. Hmm? Making your polyphonic ringtones, not hitting anyone. Okay. But that, that middle ground, and then we had Ariel, and there was Ariel built into the top, and then we got to there, and we had this huge thing that's as big as that, but now we've got more screen. Like my daughter, Ellie, will now, like probably, no, no offense if you've still got a phone with buttons, but will probably experience no phones with buttons. It's just a screen now. The, this evolution is one thing led to another. It wasn't like I have this backpack. My dad used to have a backpack mobile when they first came out because why wouldn't you? Um, that was about 2010. Um, no, joking. Um, but it wasn't just that and then be like, oh, and now I've got this, this phone and it's the Samsung Fold phone that was just released and just is broken and everyone's returning them. Um, iPhone for life. Um, but one thing led to another. One thing led to another. And when it comes to betterment, you're not going to be magically one day being like, oh, I'm afraid to speak to people. I have led a billion people to Jesus. No, just one step. I'm afraid to speak to people. Maybe I need to remember who I am. Maybe I need to remember who my God is. Even when I'm weak, He's strong. So <laughs> I'm ready to fail. <laughs> I'll get outside the boat if I sink. It's on you, Jesus. <laughs> You're out of the boat, I'm hanging out with you. Let's do this thing. Just one thing leads to another. That 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 scripture, all the way back to our very beginning scripture, the very end says, think it over. God will make it all plain. To actually make the decision, I'm going to stop, I'm going to think what God has given me, what I'm supposed to be doing with it, how I'm supposed to use it as a farmer or an athlete or, or a soldier, as that scripture describes. I'm going to be doing the right thing in the right place. And I trust that me being faithful here 
will result in greater things. That me doing the right thing now will result in the right thing tomorrow and eventually the right goal because I stood at the edge being like, I'm going to have some good habits that are going to lead me to good places with good friendships and good dreams coming to pass and a good God being faithful in every situation. Right on the edge, I know that one thing is going to lead to another. A few things when it comes to this this thought um, is a good stubbornness leads to results. Being like, no, God is faithful. My God provides, so he's going to provide. That bill came in, no, my God provides. It looks worse, no, my God provides. Am I managing my money good? Yes, okay, good. No, it provides. And keep on going through and be like, no, a good stubbornness gets you to good places. You refuse to admit that it's okay that a generation be destroyed by mental illnesses. No, no, I'm, no, I'm too stubborn. No, my God brings peace. No, my God heals. No, my God, <laughs> he binds up the brokenhearted. My God fights for the orphans and the widows, the most vulnerable. No, I'm stubborn in this. And I'm going to get results because I refuse to bow down and change what my God says because of my circumstances. One thing leads to another. The assumption that you don't know everything, that kind of curiosity, it leads to fresh discoveries. One thing leads to another. I don't know everything. Or even this assumption. Everything I know is a little bit wrong. Because it is. Everything you know is a little bit wrong. Jesus is Lord. Yeah, that's true. But the original text, his name isn't actually Jesus in your English wording and phrases. So it's, it's right, but a little bit, name might be a little bit wrong, your pronunciation of Yahshua. It might be a little bit. Everything we have is just, I'm going to press into God, I'm going to keep on moving, I'm going to keep on growing. And one thing, this curiosity of knowing my God, this curiosity of changing the world, this curiosity of being different is going to lead me to new discoveries and new places. If I'm hungry, it will lead me to feasting. Have you ever gone to a dinner party and someone said, are you hungry? But no, it doesn't result in feasting. Oh, I made this meal. Uh, A few few months ago, I went to the Lee's house and we had an amazing meal finished with an amazing juice. But if I went and like, we've made this for, oh, sorry, I'm not hungry. They'd be like, okay, we'll just put this in the bin. Uh, Thank you for letting us know. Hungry people get the feast. Thirsty people get the water. One thing leads to another. Adventure leads to new places. Innovation leads to new worlds and new ways of discovering those worlds. Honesty with a willingness to be better, not just some people are honest because they're rude. Um, That's not honesty. You're just terrible. Um, But honesty with a willingness to be better leads to a better you. Where you're like, if I'm real honest right now, I'm struggling with this. Okay, we we can help you. We're a community. Yeah, we can help you. You're going to end up better. Don't isolate yourself. Be honest. Yeah, you'll be a part of this. We're going to go forward. A self-awareness leads to self-improvement. There's just some things, church, that one thing leads to another. A belief that God is a healer, it doesn't just leave you in the brokenness of diagnoses and labels and things. One thing, it leads to another. It leads to a trust. It leads to a healing. It leads to the miraculous. One thing leads to another. The last one, when it comes to um, one thing leads to another, pressure or or goals or deadlines. These things that can sometimes be bad, but good pressure leads to good results. Um, My son, I pray that my son doesn't spend his whole life getting participation awards. I hope there's a little bit of pressure from his psychologist mom and his pastoral weird dad to, to go to achieve, to, to challenge himself, to not get, no offense, the most improved. Oh, I guess that's good as well. But I want him to, I want to put a bit of pressure on my son and my daughter. <laughs> I want them to know that there's something on the inside of them that can transform the world, that they can keep on growing, and they can live. Good pressure leads to good success or, or goals. If you don't have goals, you won't get to your goals. Whoa, I'm going to do a 100-meter race. I did, I did 100 meters. No, 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 the goal. 
I'm focused on it. I'm going to be a better me because in six months' time, I'm not going to keep on struggling with this thing that I struggled with for six years. No, I've got a goal. I can work back from it now. I can, this thing will lead to that thing will lead to that thing. Good goals lead to good success. Or deadlines. The most important things in life don't have deadlines. Uh, school students, even if your parents are in the room, the most important thing in your life, when you get to the end of your life, is not going to be your homework, okay? So you know that. It's important. I'll say that because your parents are in the room. It's very important. If you don't do it, you won't go to university and you'll end up on the streets. Um, but things in life have deadlines. Like you have something you need to design, something you need to make, or something your boss has asked you to do something has a deadline. But the most important things in life have no deadline. Things like love, things like kindness. Asking that person out and jumping outside the boat. And there's not a deadline on that. Alex wasn't like, if you don't ask me out today, I'm not going to be your girlfriend. And we won't get married, we won't have kids. No. There's some things in life that you need to put a deadline in. No, I'm going to be better, so I'm going to step out now. I'm going to go to new places. Addiction doesn't have a deadline, but you need to overcome it. We need to be the kind of church that realizes the one thing leads to another, and if I can make good choices, then I'm going to keep on being a better me. That Ellie's face changed, thankfully, than the first 30 minutes she was born. The monster! My little monster. Having a daughter changed me so much. But one thing leads to another. If you get the right habits, you get to the right places. Last quote I want to lead as we, we kind of conclude is, you are not the best you yet. The best you is in your future. The best you is when you get outside your comfort zone and you talk to that person and you discover a whole new aspect of God. And you're just like, that changed me. It's like a different person. Unfortunately, some people believe um, that the only transformational moment in the Christian journey is when you put your hand up in an altar call and you get baptized. That's the big moment. You come from darkness into light, from death into life. We contrast them all really nice. My biggest moments weren't when I was 14. My biggest moments of growth were in the last three months. My biggest moments of growth were in the last three weeks. That God isn't done. He didn't just want to save you to keep you. He wants to conform you. He wants you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He wants you to become more and more like His Son, less and less like you and more and more like Him, that He may increase and I may decrease. You're not the best you yet, but you can be. You can be someone that's committed to betterment, committed to growth. And it doesn't matter if you're 14 or 198, you can be better. Open yourself up to God and His people. If we can just put that last slide on the screen, Troy. When it comes to betterment, there's a, there's a survey um, that I read um, by the Barna Group. I don't know who the Barna Group is. It's a, it's a Christian organization in America that does surveys on things of faith. And I have one in my office. It's called Pastors and Leaders by the Barna Group. And they study pastoral leaders. They study um, Christians in churches and non-Christians and kind of like work out what's going on. Like how healthy are pastors compared to the average American or how... how um, secure in their finances, this person versus this person? What does addiction look like? What is um, happiness in their marriage or raising their kids or peace or all, all these different things? And one of the things that was pretty uh, um, astounding in this survey, um, often pastoral surveys make you really sad if you're a pastor. You're like, oh, my life's going to be horrible. Um, I don't believe God has equipped pastors to have the worst job. I don't think walking with God and walking with His church is in any way um, a terminal diagnosis. I think the greatest thing to do is to lead people to Jesus. The greatest thing to do is to partner with His church, heaven on earth. And if you stay in your lane of the grace of God, I think it is the most successful thing you can do if God's calling you to do that. But one of the things that the Barna Group showed is that pastors, I think it was nine times are more likely to improve their character and their leadership. The pastors are this weird group of people that don't need you to critique them to learn. <laughs> like if you think that the pastor won't be humbled unless you criticize them, you need to sit down with the pastor 
I'll debrief my message much, much more than you can. I'll put a lot more prep into it. I'll put a lot more evaluating what I can do differently and what God has done and the revelation. Criticism is actually really good. I actually am a bit of a fan of criticism. I say in most of my meetings, has anyone got any critiques for me of what I just said? No one normally says anything because it's a bit uncomfortable. But constructive criticism we love, right? Oh, constructive criticism. But all criticism is good. Criticism is good because um, criticism, if you're secure, criticism doesn't discourage you. It builds you in your courage. Because actually, no, you think that I'm bad at that, but God told me to be that. That concretes me further in who I am. Oh, you think that? Okay, I can improve that. There's a weakness. I need to change that thing. Criticism in community is super, super, super powerful. But when it comes to pastors and leaders, they seem to have an ability to be like, okay, I'm not there yet. It could be the pressure of being like, I've got to grow. I've got to learn. I've got to take the church forward. Pastor Brian Charlie, this Wednesday, unpack the next three months of our church's vision. Like those kind of pressures maybe are a part to do with that. But I want us to be a church that's known for our ability to keep growing. That will sit with someone that isn't even a Christian and learn something about Jesus. That we would just be hungry to know God and be transformed by God and be better than we used to be. The last slide, if we can get it on the screen, I'm not entirely, no, it's all broken. All the computer's gone. It's fine. But just there are so many things when it comes to betterment when it comes to the condition, when it comes to humility, when it comes to like, there's so many different areas in your life that if you just yourself, oh, there's so much. Let's just be a church that's willing to stop with Jesus and say, God, I'm thank you that I'm not where I used to be, but I thank you that you're not done yet. God, I thank you that you're just getting started on me. My prayer at the moment to God is two simple things. I thank you for it all. And I thank you that you're just getting started. I thank you for it all. I thank you for the fact that my two kids haven't slept through yet a night in their lives. I'm thankful for it all. I'm thankful for the prayers that have been prayed that haven't been answered. And it's kind of been a decade now. Like it's, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for the valleys. And I'm thank you for the mountaintops. And I thank you that you've never left me in either of them alone. I'm thankful for it all. I'm thankful for the closed doors because the better one's coming. I'm thankful that that relationship didn't work and that one didn't, that friendship didn't happen. I'm thankful for the way you got me. I'm thankful for it all. And I think you're just getting started. Like you're just getting started with Celebration Church. We're coming up to our one year anniversary birthday of our name change. Cool, great, fantastic. He's just getting started. He's just getting started with our host team. He's just getting started with our over 35s connect. He's just getting started with our influence and our and our helping people in their darkest situation. He's just getting started in there. He's just getting started. He's just, he hasn't maxed out. His wallet's not empty. He's not waiting for payday. He's got much, 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 much more to do in and through us. He's just getting started. But we have to be people that are willing to believe that the best us is just around the corner. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to pray for us. Uh, pray for us. I pray that you're encouraged today to know that this you is a great you. Beautiful, gorgeous, lovely daughter. Thank you, Jesus. The best is yet to come. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Brian. But why don't you, um, if you can, just touch the person next to you, a hand on a shoulder if you're married. Interlock fingers like it's your first date and you're still in love. Show your kids what love looks like. Hug in front of your kids. Give your wife a kiss and an I love you when you go out of the room in front of your kids. Set an example. That's beautiful, that moment right there. There's Unity Church. There's, is that the, the painting of the finger, God and Michelangelo, the, the turtle? Um. I want to pray for us that we will be a church that goes out this week and understands with God we can be better, we can keep on moving forward. And it's not an identity issue. He loves us, we're accepted, that's great. But because we're loved and accepted, we want to know Him more. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank You that our best days are ahead of us. I thank You that every single person in this room has dreams and promises and purposes that we are yet to see from You. That You are not done with us, You're not even close. 
You've got great opportunities and great moments. You've got mountaintops and valleys that we can be thankful for. You aren't done yet. And I pray, Jesus, we be a church that is known that when we gather, that it's just heaven on earth. That there be less of us and our opinions and more of you and your revelations. That when we speak, that it be full of grace and truth. That you be in the midst of everything we do corporately and individually. God, I just pray as we go out this week that we continue to champion each other to be the best. I pray we have people around us that will stop us from being the worst of us and people around us that will help us to be the best version of who we are in you. Lastly, God, I pray for our city, the people around us, maybe the people around us that we haven't been the best example to, maybe the people around us that have a preconceived idea of what God is, Maybe they've seen gatherings of people that have resulted in things that aren't the fruit of the Spirit. Christians that have resulted in places and gone to things and said things and been things. And probably we've played our own part in that, God. But they've seen things that aren't heaven on earth. They've seen things that aren't kindness, that aren't truth. God, help us to be bold and courageous to go back into places where damage has happened and bring restoration where lies have been spoken and speak the truth of who you are. Give us a special anointing as a church to celebrate people boldly and courageously that when we leave a conversation, it's just like Jesus came in, messed the thing up and then left them blessed. Help us this week to be bold and courageous when it comes to influencing and changing our city. We thank you for who you are. We pray that you bless us. We pray that you continue to move through us. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Amen. You're a fantastic church. We love you. Heart and soul on Wednesday. Everyone say Wednesday, heart and soul. And next Sunday is going to be awesome. We'll see you there. Peace out. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.